You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Megan Turner. Good morning. How are y'all? Good. Thank you for coming out on this rainy morning. And those that didn't that are watching online, good morning to you. Um, so we're in a new series, for better or for worse. It was me and Luke, and it's, it's just me up here. Um, that, that's not a good look, is it? <laughs> no, I, we have a joke, and oftentimes if I'll ask Luke to do something, um, he'll say, oh, I think I'm going to have the bird flu that day. And so it's a joke. It's a joke even with the staff. But for real, Luke has the flu, like legit has the flu. So he's at home. He's joining everybody online. So hi, baby. Hello, Luke. Um, but, and I, so I started researching on, on this message yesterday, and it was perfect because I found this. And so I think that this kind of will encourage us all that it's just me for today. Not too long ago, there was a CEO of a Fortune 500 company who pulled into a service station to get gas. He went inside to pay, and when he came out, he noticed his wife engaged in deep discussion with the service station attendant. It turned out that she knew him. In fact, back in high school, she had even dated him before she met her current husband. The CEO got back into the car, and they drove in silence. He was feeling pretty good about himself when he asked his wife, I bet you were thinking when you were talking to that guy how glad you are that you married me, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and not that service station attendant. And she responded, no, I was thinking if I'd married him, he'd have been a Fortune 500 CEO and you'd have been a service station attendant. (laughs) um, I'm really excited about this series. It's something that um, I'm incredibly passionate about. I think that marriage is is such the foundation of so many things. So I'm really excited about it. And what I want to do this morning is I just want to paint some picture of a vision of marriage and the possibilities of what a healthy marriage can do to your life. You know, scripture is really clear when it says that without vision, people perish. And so I think a lot of, as we know, a lot of marriages are perishing. And I think there's a lack of vision. If you're single, where's all my single people? You know y'all want to wave so that other people see where the single people are so y'all can. Um, I think that this is critically important for you guys as well because if this is in your future, then you too need a vision. And I will say that I can give so much credit to the marriage that I have because I was so blessed to live in a home where a vision of marriage was so painted. So get your paintbrush out, paint your vision of what your future marriage is going to be like, and then we're going to bleed for that. Next week on Valentine's Day, maybe a beautiful, single, available, perfect person will sit right beside you next week on Sunday. Um, I want to give you three points about marriage. Um, and the first one is marriage is not 50-50. I hear that a lot. It's kind of the saying. Marriage is 50-50. You give 50%, I'll give 50%. But I ask you, what do you know that is successful that someone only gives 50% to. Like 100% matched with 100% is really what marriage should be. And I think what happens when we expect that a marriage is 50-50 is then it kind of puts us in a judgmental position to stand back and critique 
what 50% they're doing compared to the 50% that you're doing, or what 60% that you're doing versus the 40% or the 70, 30. You know, everybody's like elbow in there. I just saw two elbows happen. Um, and so I think if we could start in this series and start with a concept of if you're really going, if we're really going to dissect the marriage, then there has to be a level of self-introspection that happens. Like, what do I need to do better? What could I change that would bring something different to the relationship? And what's true is the male brings something so significantly different than what the female brings. And so there really is no comparison of, of what is my 50% versus your 50%. And it sets you up to be competitive with your spouse. And so instead, if your goal and your vision is to do 100%, then what happens when they do their percent? Then you're blessed and you're moved and you're appreciative of what they're bringing to the table. So not to get too cliche into roles, but at my house, we have technically blue jobs and pink jobs. You know, like if there's a snake under the house, I'm, I'm not going to get it. Like it's just not going to happen. Um, if, if the dishwasher needs to be unloaded, generally that's something that I do, right? So if, if our expectations, then when Luke unloads the dishwasher, it's just a level of just... I know he's just doing it in appreciation instead of me saying, well, I don't know why he doesn't do this, and I don't know why. Does that make sense? So then you save the competition for where the competition matters, which is in board games. <laughs> and then you just let it all out there. And you have to ask your kids to leave the room while you, no, I'm just. Um, it, but the truth is, I think whenever you live so complimentary to each other and appreciative, Competition can be really fun when it's time. Not too long ago, well, I shouldn't say not too long ago. A few years ago, I decided I was going to work out. I'm not currently doing it, so don't come at me. <laughs> Getting there. Um, I was working out, and I, I got a little confident. And I was like, you know, I, I think I could beat Luke in a race. <laughs> and so I was like, one day I was like, I'm going to take you out right there on the blacktop road, and I'm going to beat you down. Let's go right now. And so we did, and, and I videoed it. And... Um, here. Well, first, yeah, there. Go down to go. Go down to go. Okay. All right, hold on. Can we go back for just a second? I need you to notice a few things of this competitive. First of all, I need you when we were one. Look at how intense. That's everything I've got. Look at him. He's laughing and barely moving. And then when they play it, listen to my children, what they're saying. Listen. Go down to go. Like, there's not even a mommy involved. Um, we did it again, but the second time, he beat me running backwards at the end. So I, I say that to say, in the, take the competition in the marriage and put it in the right place. Um, and both bring 100% to the table because 200% is way better than 100%. Number two, um, your soul is nourished by people. So just the way that your body is nourished by food, your soul is nourished by people and by relationships. And that's how God designed it to be. And there are times that people will nourish you. They encourage you to be better you. They, when you're growing towards the things that are right for you, then they celebrate you. When you're growing towards things that are not about you, then they don't mind getting in your face and saying, this isn't where you need to be going. If you're tempted and they don't mind sitting down and having those conversations with you, it's those kind of relationships. Sitting and spending time with someone, listen to me, spending time with someone that generally 
cares about you and your well-being nourishes something on the inside of you. So there's a way that you can live life where you're kind of hardened and that part of you is shut off and you don't necessarily need people. But that life is not flourishing. Out of, you know, God really could have done the cabbage patch style babies. You know, like where the baby gets delivered in a leaf or thing, cabbage. But he didn't. He opted to have out of love come life, a connectedness. I remember, you've heard the story if you've been around here for long, but when we were, try, we were trying for our second child, there's multiple rounds of fertility. And um, so then when we got pregnant, we were very excited. It was a very difficult journey. And then afterwards, we had had her. She was three months old. I was on birth control, and I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, wow. So I went and told my mom and dad, and I remember telling my dad, I have no idea how this happened. <laughs> and this was my third kid. And I will never forget him looking across the table back at me like, you don't know how this happened. <laughs> um, so I get the technicalities of how it happened. I'm, you know. uh, but out of that love that shares a passion and becomes one comes life. And, and Paul talks about that in Scripture. If you look at... Um, Ephesians 3, he says, so Christ may dwell, he's talking to a church, so Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So think about as a tree develops its roots, the farther the roots grow, then they absorb nutrients, and then a tree grows into what it's supposed to be. And you too, in a healthy relationship, when you're rooted in a healthy relationship of love, you receive nutrients from the other person, and you become more you-ier. Yeah, you like, you, she said, yeah, you is good. Being more you -ier. Does that make, the way you were designed for you to produce the fruit that you were supposed to produce, for you to grow and to be the person you were supposed to be, requires being rooted and established in love. And then you think and you go all the way back to the garden when God made man. And he said, oh, it's not good for him to be alone. So now there's this woman partner and this is designed. And now you have to be rooted in that. The most intimate relationship. To be rooted in that to become the most you could be. Who God created you to be. That was designed to help that happen. And so what happens when we live in a society where marriages have really shallowed out? Like people, are, they're not growing and rooting themselves in love. If you think about even the dynamic of feeling connected with someone. So when a child is born, they feel connected with their mom and dad over physical contact. Like, you know, when they get to that stage where they're infants and they're clingy and they don't want you. They want you. They don't want anyone else. They want you. That's how they feel connected to you. And then they're older and they're toddlers and they're in elementary school and you can leave they can go to school and they still understand that they're still connected to you so even though there's physical distance they still know and feel that they're loved and they're connected the the root has grown it's been established somewhat they understand mommy or daddy are coming back and then as they get older and they get more rooted in that connection they can go across the whole entire world if their mom lets them um across the whole entire world and still be connected in love, even though it's not the physical closeness. 
And so that is something that has to be established in couples is that I'm so rooted in this relationship that it can feed me. And then you have to be receiving the proper nutrients from the other person. So I um, randomly will pass out, right? So like just if I get startled or scared or random things. And I remember when I was pregnant, it kind of was a, a good bit worse than, than normal. And my blood pressure was really low. And so one of the first times it happened, I was about eight months pregnant with my firstborn child. And I was in the bathroom. And Luke, I hate that he's not here to tell this story because he prides himself on this story. This is, um, and I was in the shower. So I'm about here and he is brushing his teeth at the sink. And I made the comment, so I'm, I'm washing my hair, and I said, oh, I think I'm going to pass out. Well, when I did, I turned and fell into the shower door, passed straight out. He was able to make, here's the catch, the catch babe of a lifetime. He comes and he catches me right before I hit the ground, belly down, eight months pregnant with a full pass out. She drags me out to the bedroom. I wake up a few minutes later on the bedroom, shampoo still in my hair, and he's standing over me. He's like, I caught you. (laughs) I caught you. Um, so then we go pick up mom and dad for our, we were going, actually going to the doctor. We go pick up mom and dad, and I'm telling them in the car. And Luke is so excited to tell my dad about the catch. He's like, your dad is going to, I saved his life. I saved his grandbaby's life. This is going to, this, he's going to be proud father-in-law moment. So dad, that doesn't really, but he skips right over that too. Well, why are you passing out? You know, like, that's a, why are you, what do you mean you, you've been feeling like you're passing out a lot? And, and he looks at Luke, he goes, did that scare you so bad when she passed out? And Luke goes, no, my friends in college used to pass out all the time. <laughs> and he was like, because they were drunk, not your eight-month pregnant wife. Um, but <laughs> since then, we have definitely figured out that when I haven't eaten, I, will, I can very easily get lightheaded and pass out. So now the answer, whenever I say, oh, I feel like I'm going to pass out, Luke immediately says, have you eaten? Last week, I get into the baptismal pool. You can go back and read my lips. As soon as I got in, I said to Luke and Macy, I think I'm going to pass out. And Luke says back, did you eat this morning? I was like, no, I didn't eat this morning. So your relationship will feel frail, lightheaded, like it could pass at any moment if you're not getting the protein and the nutrients that you need. And you as a spouse, what I encourage you in the next few weeks as we really dive into this, to really ask yourself and do some self-introspection of, if God joined this thing together and he designed this thing for me and my spouse, what can I do better? What do I need to be feeding them? What do they need from me to become all that they can become? Am I producing for them a healthy balance of nutrition, of food? Does my temper produce growth? Do the way I listen, does that produce growth? Do the way I respond, how tender am I? How affectionate, how much intimacy do I give my spouse? Those are the kind of things that we want to dive into. The last point that I want to talk about is more trust equals more vulnerability. Um, I think The truth is we, as a whole, have got to be more committed to marriages. I don't know that people really understand what it means to make a covenant with God. 
But when you stand before God Almighty with your spouse and you say to God, I promise to love you until death do us part. That means you love them until, until death do you part. There is something that needs to happen of a level of trust that the other person is in this thing. That they are my ride or die. That no matter if I gain all the weight in the world and all of my hair falls out, or no matter if I get sick or I get in a car, no matter what happens, I am yours and you are mine. And when that thing, the reason that I believe that God created it until death do you part is because the level of vulnerability that needs to be able to take place for you to receive the nutrients that you need can only take place with someone that you know, that you know, that you know, they're mine and I am yours. Marriage is not something, and I know I'm probably going to step on a little bit of toes here. But marriage is not something that you get out of because you don't have a certain feeling or less emotion than you did when it started. And so wherever you found this person, well, Megan, I met them in the bar or I met them on the side of Rivers Avenue. Wherever you met them, when you brought them and you, st- and you stood before God and you said, God, I promise you and I promise them, it left the bar. It left Rivers Avenue. And it became a God covenant that it's our responsibility to honor. It is a really big deal. So where the, if you've been divorced and you've walked out of a relationship and you're new in a relationship, what I, everyone in this room that is in a relationship, what I encourage you to do from this point on is that you need to understand the covenant that you took. And you need to understand that this thing, this thing is a commitment. What happens to a relationship whenever I know beyond a shadow of a doubt we're together. You know, it's interesting because the Pharisees actually questioned Jesus on this. The religious people, they questioned Jesus. And if you look in Matthew 19, it says this. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. Let me just tell you, the marriage is going to be tested. They tested Jesus over the topic. The marriage is going to be tested. They tested him and they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every, for any and every reason? Jesus says back, haven't you read? We've already talked about this. Haven't you read? And he replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. That become one flesh is like glued together, like they don't come apart. That's how it was intended, was that they leave their mom and dad and become one physically, emotionally, and spiritually. There is a oneness now that has bonded them together. And then if you flip over... And Mark, in his same account of this conversation, Mark 10, 2 through 9, it says, Some of the Pharisees came and tried to trap him with the questions, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? And Jesus says back, what did Moses say? So these are religious people that Jesus is talking to. They're the ones that are trying to catch someone doing something wrong, the judgmental people. And so they're following the law. You know, they know Moses' law. And so, so Jesus, well, what did Moses say about the law? And they responded, well, he permitted it, they replied. And he says, a man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away because Jesus responded, he wrote this commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. Your hard hearts. That's what happens when there's no vulnerability. When something is shut down and locked off, then I I can't trust and you're not vulnerable with me. Where do we go? Well, what, 
how do I receive nutrients? How do I root myself in your love? How do I become who God created me to be? If we go back to that God designed this, no matter what's happened, if my heart is hardened, how, how, do you, how do you fix that? And then he goes on to say this, but God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man and his father and mother is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So they no longer are two, but one. Here we go. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. I want to encourage you in this series to get vulnerable. I want to ask men to lead the way. Because something needs to happen to the heart and hearts. When we look through the survey that we took, that you guys took, that we're going to dive into and, and talk a lot more about it. And we're going to talk about conflict resolution. We're going to talk about intimacy and all of those things. But what's going to have to happen to get to that is something's going to have to soften on your heart. You're, we're going to have to shift our, our position of being right it's going to have to be something that we want to go after. It's going to have to be something that I can trust this process with you of getting more vulnerable and opening up in this series. I can trust that with you. And because I can trust you, I can really be real. I know that the patterns that we've had in the past, something has to break and we need to do it different this time. Um, when Kinley was young, my middle daughter, she was young. And we, she was having really bad headaches, really bad headaches. So we, one night it was so bad, we went to the hospital and she, they found some brain bleeds in, in her um, scans. And so they admitted us to the hospital and we were going to do more scans through the night. They found out that it wasn't actively bleeding. It was still just fresh blood. And so they were going to do some more scans. We we're going to see a neurosurgeon in the morning. Their best short thought was that some of her veins in her brain had not grown exactly the right way. So we were going to see the neurosurgeon in the morning. That night, they came into her room to take her out for a procedure. And Luke and I were like, well, well what procedure? She hasn't had all the scans done. We haven't met with the neurosurgeon. That doesn't, something doesn't seem right. And they said, well, we're going to take her to do the procedure for her seizures. And I was like, well, she, she doesn't have seizures, or we haven't been told. That's not been a test. And they said, she doesn't have seizures? And I was like, no. And they were like, well, I wonder why we would be doing this procedure on her. And so then one of the residents says in the room, or one of the students says to the resident, says, you know what? I think that this procedure is supposed to be on the girl in the next room, not her. And so immediately I became so fear. I immediately realized I have to be on guard because this is a really situation. I feel vulnerable, but I can't trust where I am in the situation. Does that make sense? I, so it was it, this fear-driven, guarded, lack of trust. So long story short, we end up at Boston's Children's Hospital. It was quite the journey to get that. It was a sweet journey of God getting us there, but it was quite the journey to get there. And I remember feeling so nervous because I couldn't trust. I was like, What's the doctor going to be like? What are the, what, you know, feel like I don't know what these procedures are. How do, how do I guard this? And I remember then when they did the procedures and we met the doctor, this renowned neurosurgeon, and this is him right here working with Kinley. And I remember when I realized I can trust him. I can trust, and I was able to like 
take a sigh of relief. I remember whenever he went through the scans, we did follow-up scans for two years. And I remember when he gave the sign off of everything is okay. She had some, we actually found more when we went to Boston, but they're not currently happening. Everything is, looks great, functioning the way it is. I remember that level of, and I think that's what needs to happen in marriages, is some of us live guarded, not able to trust, not knowing what's going to happen, having to protect our own self, feeling like we have to figure it out on our own. And some, somebody needs to be able to go, oh, wow, I, I trust you, and I trust you with my heart. And I want you, your nourishment for my soul. And I say all of this because I, I want you to have a vision for everything that your marriage can be. I want you to be able to dream God-sized dreams over your relationships. I think oftentimes we end up just settling. And so for one, one of our goals for Luke and I is that we never, ever stop working. So if you're sitting in here and your marriage is great, what if we work on it? And what if next month it's even greater than it is right now? Even in working through this process and coming up with the stuff we're going to talk about and reading through scripture, the stuff that I feel like God has shown me that I need to do better as a wife has been so sweet. And I, I want to sh show you a video of, of when we, and me and Luke sat down and we did an interview for the previews for this. And I want to show this to you because not that Luke and I have everything figured out. Um, but I want you to be able to get a vision for why this is worth fighting for. Why is your marriage worth giving everything you've got at it? Because it really is one of the greatest blessings God gave us here on earth. So take a look at this video. I think for me, I had, my mom and dad were loved each other so much and had such a healthy marriage that I had great expectations for a marriage. Like I knew that it could be fun. I knew you danced in the kitchen. I knew all, I knew you went on dates. I knew all that. So I had that as an expectation, but even though I saw that, I had zero expectations of what it would actually feel like. I had zero, I did not know how much I could love, how, what that could possibly feel like. I had no idea how whole he made me, how much I could love him. So it's been 17 years and I, I had no idea that I could love him so much more every day. So even though I had high expectations, they were so far from what I'm experiencing that, that I would say that they're not even in the same ballpark of what I thought to what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I had um, I had a great, my parents had a great relationship, but marriage didn't excite me at all. Um, so if I was gonna commit my life to it, I was like, I want, <laughs> I want, this to, I want to be the best at this forever. I've never, you know. And so I was like, if I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I'm going after this thing. I don't want to be just some stinking old married couple. Like, why not be the best at it? If we're going to do something for the rest of our lives, my gosh, let's, if you're going to be we're, good at anything, going all in. be good at what you're going to do the rest of your life. Man, it's not just something we do on Saturdays, you know? Like, this is the real deal. So that was your expectations of what, is it better than you? It's better. It's better. We did it. I feel like we we, we go after it. We we fight for it. We pray through it. We... I feel like we work at it all the time. Like we never stop working at it. So we're gonna do a worship song, and I just I would like for it to be the start of us working at it. Like as a church, let's just flip marriage upside down.
Let's go after making every marriage in this room and online. Let's make it the best marriage it can be. God wants to do something. He created it from the beginning. He looked at your life and said, it's not good alone. It's not good alone. So we're going to do a worship song. And I just want to have some sweet, intimate worship time. And I want you, there's prayer cards in the back of your chair. And if you need to write down as a couple, as you need to write down as an individual, some stuff God puts on your heart, I want to be better at this. And then you want to come put it up here. There's something about taking a physical action step. It's like, I'm going to move here, God. And then God's like, I'm going to meet you right there. So if you want to come put something here, the last service was precious, watching people as a man. You know, there's a lot, women are waiting on someone to lead. So as a man, what a precious step for you to get, grab that prayer card and you just put us and you walk up here and put it down. Or you grab her hand and you all together put it down. Then I want to extend this to everybody else in the room. If you've been in here and you have been through a divorce, when I talk about all of this and the way God designed it, then it makes sense why it hurts so badly. So if that's you and you need God to just heal those pieces, his heart's desire was never for you to feel that. Just write me on your prayer card and put it here. And then I want to talk to the single people in the room. And God specifically prompted me to do this this morning, actually, when I was putting on my makeup. You know, I talked so much about us becoming one when we're married. And that it's one physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And when you're intimate and you have intercourse with someone, you become one physically. And when that happens, you give that person an actual piece of who you are. God designed it that way. And I believe that there are some single people in here, or maybe even some married people that didn't bring your whole self into the, to the marriage. And you're in here, and you need God before you find your perfect person or before you get married. You need God to just put that piece back together. You know, I think it's one of the reasons why when people have intercourse and they're not married and they break up, why it can send them on such a spiral. Because they've given one of the most intimate part, what God designed you to connect you for life with someone. Now you've shared it with someone that's left you. And so if that's you and, and you're in the room and you would say, you know what, I, I didn't know. I lived life before I knew Christ or I've messed up. That's been a slippery slope for me. And you would like for God to take that piece of you that you gave to someone else. Um, someone actually wrote on the card during last service. God, would you restore the pieces of me that I gave away as well as the pieces that were taken from me? So if you need something inside of you to be restored so that you can be ready for the right relationship, you come and you put it right here at the feet of Jesus. Father God, we give you the next few moments. And Lord, everybody that's in here, wherever the relationship is, where I believe with my whole heart that you're doing something. I believe and I know that your word is true. And so this morning as we worship, we stand on your truth. We take these marriages and we put them on the word of God. And for every person that's broken and that's hurting, for every addiction that's ruining marriages, for every temper, for every affair that has come in between relationships, for every trust that is broken. God, would you begin to just restore that back? The one who came to make it whole, to make it right, to fix the broken and to mend our hearts.
Lord, the next few moments, would you just begin to do that work in all of us? What's broken, would you mend? What's great, would you make greater? We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Here's what I want to do as we end. If you would, if you're with your spouse or even if you're with someone that you're dating, would you grab their hand? And then if you're single and you're in the room, I want you to do this. I want you to reach down and I want you to grab the hand of God Almighty. And I just want us to pray. And as we pray, when you sign up and you commit to what I say, I'm going to talk to the men first and then the women. Would you just, as the man, when I say something and you agree to it, would you just squeeze her hand? And then when I say that about the women, would you squeeze his hand? And then the single people, when I say the prayer for you, would you just squeeze the hand of God? For all the men in the room. Father God, I sign up to recommit. I say to my wife and to my spouse, I want to be the man. I want to lead the relationship in a godly direction. And I understand that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And I'm asking you, Lord, right now, would you order my way? Would you give me an ear that is sensitive to hear your voice? The things that I've done to hurt and to trust, to break the trust. I'm sorry. I want to be the man that fills you the way God created me to. And I love you. And I re-up. This squeeze right now means I re-up. And for all of the women in the room, Father God, as a woman and as a safe place and as a tender, loving place to land, for all of the places that I've grown hard, for all of the walls that I've closed off, for all of the places that I haven't let you in, I'm opening myself up to you. I re-up. I promise to chase after God and be the woman that he called me to be. And if you're single in this room, here we go. God, I know that when you created me in the womb, that you formed me with a purpose and a plan. And I know, Father God, that you know the desires of my heart. And until the right time has come, I promise to be true to you. I promise to live in a way that you've called me to live. Father God, would you protect my heart? If you're single in here, this is what I pray for you right now as well, is that anyone that the enemy would want to send into your life that is the counterfeit, that is the wrong one, I pray against that in Jesus' name. And we as married moms and dads in this room just cover you guys as a spiritual covering that just the right way, just the way that Luke and I pray over the girls day in and day out, that just the right spouse would come. We as mom and dads agree in Jesus' name that at the right time, the right one and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we're really looking forward to the next few weeks. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna leave you with homework and fun things to work on. And listen to me say this. Luke and I and Macy and Dave were so committed to working on these marriages so that something changes. And thank you for letting us be a part of that. May the Lord keep you and bless you, cause his face to shine upon you and have a great week in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.